Cheap experience. Thank you for hanging out with me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. So, I'm coming to you during very difficult times, uh, certainly unprecedented times, where almost everyone in the world is dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. It's an unsettling time, it's an unnerving time. Uh, these are challenges that certainly you and I have never had to face in our lifetime, and perhaps there are challenges that um, several generations prior to us uh, that they really haven't had to deal with. And what's been forced upon us really is, a, at least temporarily, uh, for all we know, um, a new way of being, a new way of social engagement, um, a new way of really the effects that it's had on our livelihood. I know I live here in the state of Illinois, and for instance, we're on uh, lockdown. Um, a shelter-in-place order is on us, and we're really not allowed to go anywhere. We can hit the grocery store and the pharmacies, but other than that, we're supposed to stay home, and uh, that's by uh, an order from our governor. And so it's just really an unsettling time. None of us really know where this is going. Nobody can seem to tell us how long it's going to last. Uh, we don't have a good idea on how serious it is. And there's just a lot going on. So for me, one of the things I wanted this podcast to be was always a help, an aid. Um, and so I have several podcasts that are ready to go that I could have just uploaded and been done with, but you know, that just didn't feel right. So what I've done is I've reached out to several of uh, my past guests and asked them to share a bit of wisdom with you concerning this pandemic. Um, a bit of wisdom, a bit of healing, and hopefully, you know, it, it, it helps during this challenge. Um with all the unknowns and, and the disappointment. I know that so many of you listening, your livelihood has been drastically affected. Um, you feel unnerved. Your spirit is unsettled. And so um, I'm hopeful that the things presented here will uh, be meaningful to you and helpful to you. Uh yeah, so that's what we're going to do. I've got several guests that are going to come on and share a bit of wisdom with you. And uh, yeah, man, I hope that it soothes the soul to some level. Uh, please let me know what you think about the podcast, man. Still, uh, hey, you know what? We can still get on Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff, right? I recently have learned to stay away from Twitter. Man, there's some... there's. <laughs> There's some nasty stuff going on over there, but I'm on Facebook, man. I'm on Instagram, uh, and uh, each one of my guests is as well, so um, please jump on there and uh, make a connection. All right, guys, let's jump in.
Okay, so my first guest is Kaisi, also known as Valerie Love. Um, a lot of you will know her as the Christian witch. And so one of the things that I asked her um, to respond to during this you know, this circumstance is how do we really retain our power when we feel so powerless? Uh, there's so little it feels like we can do at this time. Um, I asked her to give a little bit of insight on how we retain our power. And so uh, this is Kaisi, also known as Reverend Valerie Love. I think you're going to enjoy what she had to say. Greetings. This is Reverend Valerie Love, also known as Kaisi practicing Christian witch and the author of 17 books on practical spirituality. There's a story I like to reflect on whenever we're in times of uncertainty or whenever it seems like something really bad is coming, like an advancing plague or something that we should be trembling at or being afraid of. There's a story that is precisely for these times and I'd like to share it with you now. Many, many, many long ago, many years ago, many eons ago, in this incredible empire, a new emperor was taking his throne. And this new emperor ruled over a vast and mighty empire. And he had to make sure that all the subjects in the kingdom, in his empire, were going to be loyal and obedient servants. So he decided that he was going to send out one of his most feared, fearsome, and fierce warriors. And this warrior was going to go to town, town to town in the empire, being sure that the people either obeyed and kowtowed to the new emperor or that they would be wiped out. This emperor was severe. And so this feared and fearsome and fierce warrior began to ride and he was going to town to town to town. And as soon as the word would spread to any particular town that this very fearsome warrior was going to arrive, people would just clear out. They would be so afraid. They would hide. They would run. They would, they would do whatever, whatever they could to protect themselves because they understood that if they were not found to be exactly and precisely as the warrior felt, uh, then he would just slice off their heads. So he was fierce. And so he was going from town to town to town, and he was making sure that all the people in every town that he came to in the empire, either they swore their allegiance to the king and uh, absolutely did whatever he said or off with their heads. Well, there was this one particular town where there was a monk, and the monk lived in the monastery, and the monk was there serving to the people, to the needs of the people, spiritual needs of the people. And of course, the monk would pray and he would meditate and people would have requests and they would come bring offerings to the monk and the monk would take care of the people and so forth and so on. So word got around to this town that this fearsome, feared warrior was coming and everyone in the town started to panic. Everyone started running around. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do if we don't if we're not completely exactly as this warrior wants to find us, it, it could be off with our heads. He he could burn down this whole town. Uh, he could kill everyone in the town. Oh, this is just very terrible. And they were running this way and then they were panicking. And the monk was completely not at all engaged in any of the conversation with any of the people about this feared, fearsome and fierce warrior coming to the town to either make sure everyone would heal or killed. And so the uh, monk was carrying on business as usual, prayer and meditating in the monastery. Well, sure enough, 
All the people decided that they were going to vacate the town. They were going to head for the hills and run for their for their lives and get away from this feared fearsome warrior because they had no idea if they would be found uh, worthy of keeping their heads. Well, the monk didn't move. And sure enough, the fearsome warrior arrived at the town. He found the town empty. They go through, he tells his uh, soldiers that are with him, search every house and search every nook and cranny of this town and report back to me and tell me what you find. And they, of course, they went and they found the monk in the monastery. And they said, oh, why are you here? Haven't you heard so-and-so is coming? He said, oh, yeah, I heard about it. And the monk continued doing what the monk was doing. Well, sure enough, here comes the feared and fearsome and fierce warrior. And he busts through the monastery door. And he looks at the monk and he says, do you know who I am? And the monk says, yes, I've heard of you. And then the warrior walks up to the monk, draws his sword. And he says, are you not in fear of me? Are you still standing here? Are you insolent? Do you know that I can run through you with this sword and not blink an eye? And the monk looked at him. And he paused and he said, hmm, yes, I've heard all of that. He said, and I am one who can be run through without the blink of an eye. And the warrior looked at the monk and the warrior took his sword and laid it at the feet of the monk and got down on his knee and said, never have I met anyone like you throughout the kingdom. And you now are my aspiration. So why do we think of this story? We think of this story because imagine that something so fearsome and so horrific and something so deadly, supposedly, is causing a threat, is causing commotion, is causing panic. And yet, there is a way that one can stand in their monkhood within, divinity within, in the monastery, that is the inner adidim, the inner sanctuary of peace and divinity, and know that nothing can affect one who has firmly positioned themselves on the throne of divinity within. Nothing from the outside can in any way move you off your throne of divinity. So though we are in this beautiful unfoldment that looks scary and it looks like a warrior is coming and it looks like something deadly is coming and it looks like something to head to the mountains for or flee or panic. This is the opportunity to be the monk, to stand in divinity, to be in the monastery and to continue about your father's business, about our mother's business of being love, being light and being truth. I love you. God bless you. And may you stay healthy and well and happy and thriving. Thank you so much, Kaisi, for that wisdom. Um, I love what she had to say there about, um, you know, really retaining your power, really identifying with the divinity that is within. Uh, I think that's critical, really. I think that's so important. And I know it's one of the things that brings me peace and um, a sense of security, I think. So my next guest is somebody that I've had on the podcast several times. He's become a very good friend and um, 
he's super talented, right? He's a great musician. He was the uh, the host of the Holy Heretics podcast, and uh, he's just somebody who's become a really great friend. I think you're going to enjoy what John Scott has to say. Hey, Craig. First of all, I'm honored to be on your show and to be considered uh, someone that you would want to reach out to during a time like this. Um, You know, I just heard um, a line in a John Mayer song that I thought was great and speaks to this. He said, the same brain that brings me ecstasy is the same brain that often gets to me. And he was talking about the sense of feeling hopeless, um, feeling helpless, feeling afraid. The whole song is built around those feelings, those emotions. And all of us have them. And there's no doubt that right now with COVID-19, coronavirus disease, um, and everything that it has brought with it, um, we have a sense of, of uh, uneasiness. I mean, the, the word dis-ease as I've said many times, is, is really essentially a disconnection from ease or living a life at ease. It's a disconnection from living in a state of ease. And so <clears throat> when that happens, it's uneasy um, and fear comes in and there's a sense of uh, apprehension to just even living life. And so what we're experiencing right now with the crisis in place um, is a, a sense of unknown. And you know, there's, there's the old adage, we fear the unknown. I've been saying for about two years now that we were headed toward a shift. Uh, I think it's interesting that Rob Bell, Peter Rollins did an entire tour last year uh, titled Holy Shift. We were seeing from people like Bishop Carlton Pearson, he was talking about shift happening uh, we even started coining the phrase around our spiritual community in Chattanooga, shift happens, and at Unity of Chattanooga, we will help you get your shift together. I decided that this year, the theme for 2020 for us, 2019, our theme was, was uh, I can see clearly, get clarity or 2020 vision, moving toward being able to see clearly because we were moving into 2020. And I remember saying, and, and I don't consider myself to be a prophet, um, but I remember saying to our people, we're going to experience shift in its actual form. And I'm not really quite sure what that's going to be. I do remember thinking in my head, well, you know, this is probably going to be a, you know, a shift uh, theologically or a shift in the way we see religion, God, Jesus, the Bible, the way we see politics, human beings, uh, the way we see human sexuality, all of the subjects that have really been at the front of the headlines. These, that's what, what was in my mind was that it would be, you know, some more intellectual shifting. I had no idea that it would actually be this painful and this um, direct. COVID-19 has certainly <clears throat> thrown us into a tailspin, not just as Americans, but as humans. And in a real deep sense, I think there's so many different ideas out there, but I do really think this is not just opposition or adversity, but it is opportunity that can become an adventure instead of adversity. It is a chance, I think, for us to see uh, what's really important. I was speaking to someone just the other day, and they said to me, you know, what I thought was important 
seven days ago, I no longer see as important now. My whole view has changed and I see life differently. And so if nothing else, this is helping us to disorient so that in some way maybe we can reorient. One of the best ways I think we can deal with anxiety and deal with fear is to remember that the same brain that brings you ecstasy is the same brain that can get to you at times, that can eat at you, that can create these feelings um, that are temporary. And I like to say to people on a regular basis, remember that every emotion is temporary. The old saying, this too shall pass, reminds me of a story of a king who said, I'm going to kill all of my spiritual advisors because my life is in shambles emotionally and you're not doing anything to fix it. And he had 200 spiritual advisors. And so he said, if you can't tell me tomorrow how to be happy when I'm sad and how to be sad when I'm happy, I'm going to kill you. And so they went and of course prayed through the night trying to figure out how to bring a solution to save their own necks. And one of the priests finally stepped up and he held up a ring in his hand and he said, I'm going to give this to the king and we will be fine. We will be fine. And so they were still apprehensive and stressed, of course, because they were facing impending death. And uh, the next day, uh, the, the, the priest went in and he handed the king a ring and the king did exactly what most of the spiritual advisors thought he was going to do. He looked at this priest and said, I have a ring for every finger. I have too many rings to even wear. Now, what is this cheap ring going to do to change my mind? And the priest turned the ring around and he asked the king to look inside of the ring. And he did. And as he looked inside of the ring, a grin came on his face. He looked up at the priest and he looked back at the ring and looked at the priest. Then he looked at the ring again. And stayed quiet for a moment, and all of a sudden a tear welled up in his eye and ran down his cheek. And he looked at the priest, and he looked at all the spiritual advisors, and he said, Your life has just been saved. I'll allow you to live. And he walked away. They asked the priest later, What, did, what was inside, what was the inscription inside of the ring that saved our lives? And the priest grinned and said, These words, This to shall pass. Both positive and negative emotions come and go. Uh, Fear comes and goes. Anxiety comes and goes. Happiness comes and goes. The same brain that brings you ecstasy is the same brain that can get to you at times. Remembering that Every emotion comes to pass is really important during situations like this. And so I invite you and your audience into this exercise. Spend some time in meditation and imagine yourself looking at the thoughts that you're experiencing as if you're watching them on a cinema screen because your thoughts are not you. They're not you. In fact, most of them don't belong to you. Now, granted, fear and anxiety is often anchored in what you've experienced in the past so that your brain can pull together data to preserve you in the future. That's human, that's self-preservation at its finest, and it's built into us by evolution and by the process of how the brain works. This is something that God gave to us. This ability to be able to process negative information quickly so that you can protect yourself. So yes, 
Fear and anxiety are both necessary elements or tools in the toolbox. But we have to be careful that we're not building our whole life with those two tools. Okay, That's like trying to use a ball-peen hammer to simply bump a wood block into uh, uh, a hole somewhere, right? You don't want to do that. You want to use the ball-peen hammer for driving nails, not for tapping on glass. Does that make sense? And so fear and anxiety are necessary tools, but in their rightful place can they only really work well. So this exercise I invite you into over these next several days is when you're meditating. I want you to think of your thoughts and what's going on in the world as if you're watching a cinema screen and you're watching an action film. And when you watch an action film, you see a lot that goes on. You see car chases, you see car accidents, you see explosions, you, sh- you see gunshots and you hear gunshots and you see, uh, you know, sometimes you see a car jumping into the water and splashes everywhere. The sounds and the theatrics are there And they're expressing things that, of course, could happen in real life. But if you'll notice when you see these thoughts and you see the explosion on the screen and the fire that comes, the fire that comes doesn't burn the screen. The water that splashes does not wet the screen. And the bullets that fly do not pierce the screen So move yourself in meditation during this time toward recognizing what is real and what isn't. The sky remains while the clouds move through it, but the clouds are temporary. Peace to all of you. Thank you, John. Man, um, that's good, right? It is hard, man. These are difficult times. You know, there, there's so much change around us. And certainly I think that humanity will evolve from it. And I'm talking about spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. I think that we're going to evolve um, into something better. Certainly we've gained wisdom and insight. Uh, we're experiencing restriction like we, you know, like we really haven't known before. And so we will grow. We will, you know, should we choose, we will shift. Um, We'll become more spiritual. We'll we'll become more intellectual. We'll become more enlightened, I think, if we choose to use this time um, and allow it to do that for us. Now, I'm not in any way saying that uh, what is happening is a good thing. You know, I, I... I don't know, man. I'm either not spiritual enough or I don't get it. But I hate when people say, you know, like this moment is, uh, you know, this is actually a good thing. No, this sucks. But I think that good can come from it. And uh, I think that's what John's bringing to the table, man. The opportunity to grow and to shift, um, to become more open, to become more available so I really appreciate what he had to say there. So my next guest is um, Noah Rochetta. And uh, Noah Rochetta is the host of the podcast Secular Buddhism. He's got a great podcast. I absolutely love uh, his podcast. I listen to it all the time because um, I'm a big fan of the uh, Buddhist philosophy, right? So um, I asked Noah if he could talk about really... Um, 
how to find peace in all of this chaos, how to find unrest during all this pandemic situation, um, and, and to bring some perspective to that. And I think that he does a great job. I think you're going to really enjoy um, what Noah Rochetta has to say on the subject. I want to share some thoughts regarding the idea of finding peace in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the situation that we're going through with this coronavirus. And the thoughts I want to share pertain to the idea of wanting to find peace in the midst of chaos. I think uh, the very fact that we're looking for peace in the midst of chaos sets us up with the mindset of trying to avoid discomfort. And oftentimes our discomfort um, arises because we're trying to not uh, experience any discomfort. And the truth is that at times life is uncomfortable. And as we're all experiencing now, Sometimes it's very uncomfortable, and uh, the fear that arises out of uncertainty is real. Uh, the discomfort that arises from the break in our ordinary routine, it's real because we're creatures of habit. We're social creatures, so when we can't socialize the way that we're used to, that creates anxiety. And wanting to not feel that discomfort only aggravates the discomfort. So the thought I wanted to share around the idea of looking for peace in the midst of chaos would be to perhaps look inward and to reflect on where does that need for peace come from in the first place? Why am I not resilient to um, the discomforts that arise in life? In other words, can I become more comfortable with discomfort? And I think that's a, a good place to start with. Uh, when we're looking inward, because the truth is we can't control what's happening outside of ourselves. Uh, and this coronavirus is a perfect example. Uh, causes and conditions gave way for this cascade of domino effect, uh, things that started happening that put us suddenly right where we are, and we cannot control that. Now, there are things we can do now to mitigate the... Uh, potential um, ramifications of all of this, for example, social distancing. and But if we get to the heart of what many of us are after, which is how can I find peace in the midst of all this, I think it's okay to admit that perhaps we don't find peace in the midst of it. Um, we always have just a little bit of, of peace and a little bit of chaos uh, things come together and things fall apart, and that's the nature of life, right? Things are are always uh, switching between that fine line of chaotic and peaceful, and then it's peaceful, and then it's chaotic, and then it's chaotic, and then it's peaceful, and that's the nature of things. So what I like to do in times like this, I think sometimes we have the tendency to want to try to think positively or try to push away the fears and the anxiety or the uncertainty and, and try to force ourselves to not, uh, to not dwell on the difficulties that we're experiencing. And I don't think that's helpful. I think rather than pushing away the discomfort, we allow the discomfort to be there. We welcome it with open arms. We acknowledge that, yes, things are scary. I don't know where all of this ends. I, I've never dealt with a situation like this, and that's scary. But we can also open at that moment, open up our awareness 
to everything else that's going on by simply asking ourselves, what, what am I not noticing? And a very simple thing that I may notice that I'm not noticing is that, for example, I don't have a toothache right now, or right now um, I have a roof over my head and uh, right now it's not raining on me while I'm outside without a roof. You know, there, there are many things that we can uh, bring into our sphere of awareness without negating the difficulties that we're also experiencing in our sphere of awareness. So we can say, yes, while I am anxious and nervous and understandably um, uh, fearful of how things are, I'm also noticing that I don't have a toothache, that I have my health for now, that uh, I have a roof over my head or that I'm still uh, spending time with the people that I love. I still have them. And what we do when we start doing that is we're increasing our awareness. That's, that's kind of what mindfulness practice is. It's, it's asking ourselves, what am I not noticing? And by paying attention to the things that we're not noticing, we'll notice that there are a lot of things that are happening and arising simultaneously with the discomfort, with the fear, with the anxiety. There are also uh, feelings of joy, of gratitude, of safety, and these things can exist simultaneously with with the others. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this thinking that it's one or the other. If I have peace, then I don't have chaos. And the truth is we can have peace in the midst of chaos. We can have uh, bravery in the midst of fear. We can have uh, doubts of uncertainty in the midst of gratitude of, of some things that feel certain. And, and these things are not mutually exclusive. And that ultimately is how we start to find peace in the midst of the chaos that we're experiencing. That's also how we handle the anxiety that we may be feeling in the midst of all this. We don't handle the anxiety by trying to get the anxiety to go away. We handle it by recognizing it's okay to feel anxious. Uh, There's a reason why we're feeling anxious, but what else? What am I not noticing? And in that analysis, we may notice other things that minimize the anxiety because suddenly it gives way for something like gratitude or something like uh, contentment or joy. So increasing our sphere of awareness is a powerful uh, form of practicing right now during these difficult times to see more, to uh, not allow ourselves to zero in on the, on the one thing that's, uh, you know, giving us so much fear or anxiety, just open up your, your perspective and see more. What am I not seeing? And in, in, in that analysis, we're not pretending like this scary stuff isn't here. We're allowing that to stay there, but we're trying to see more. That's, that's what I would recommend uh, as a, as a practice during this time. And hopefully uh, by asking yourself, what am I not noticing? You'll start to notice things that you hadn't noticed before, uh, that um, may be there in, in in the midst of of the scary, and don't try to push the scary away. This is this is new for all of us. Everything that we're going through right now is new for all of us. So give yourself uh, a little bit of of patience and allow yourself to embrace all the emotions that arise, all the fears, but then open up your eyes to see more and allow more of it in. If there's anxiety, that's fine, but there's also gratitude. Look for that. What are you grateful for? And in the midst of that, we increase our our awareness. So uh, good luck to 
to, to all of you with everything that you're going through. And I hope you, you can use this time to learn a little bit more about yourself and to see things that you hadn't noticed before. Thank you. Thank you so much, Noah, man. I really appreciate what Noah had to say. Uh, I really identify with it. It means a lot to me. Um, and it's something that resonates really very deeply with me. You know, one of the things that has been enriching, uh, expansive, and brought a lot of peace to my being are the teachings of um, Buddha. And so, Really, one of the things that Noah just talked about that is predominant within the ideology, the philosophy of Buddhism, is accepting reality, right? I think that so many of us run from suffering. So many of us sit around and wish the moments of suffering would pass so we could go on with our life. And sometimes we feel like, well, gee, you know, this circumstance, this situation, it really isn't fair. And when we do that, we really spend a great deal of our time wishing things, wishing that things weren't the way that they are. And that doesn't change much other than waste precious time, right? Days go by with us wishing things were not as they are. And I get it. I understand it. You know, my wife and I, we run a lot. We go a lot. We do a lot. We live in a place where there are tons of wonderful wineries located in rolling hills and valleys, and we hit every one of them, man, and we have a great time doing it. Uh, we're empty nesters. You know, our kids are out, and and so we don't, we're not sedentary. Well, this has changed that, right, at least temporarily. So we could wish our lives away, wishing for better days, wishing things uh, were different than what they are, but that's not living in the now. That's not living life as it presents itself to you. And so I really appreciate what Noah had to say there. Um, you know, there's a really great quote that comes to mind from really a, an incredible book, that has been made into an incredible movie and it's the Lord of the Rings by um, J.R.R. Tolkien. And the quote comes from a moment between the two characters. The one is Frodo and the other is Gandalf and Gandalf is a wizard. And um, basically Frodo doesn't, he wishes that the conflict he was in had never come upon him. And this is how the exchange goes. I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. Now, certainly you and I, none of us chose to live uh, during perhaps one of the most prolific and... Um, dominant pandemics to affect humanity. Um, none of us chose this, but here we are. And what we do with this time is up to you and I. It's been thrust upon us, circumstances, situations. Um, how do we respond? I don't think that wishing our life away is the best choice. Um, 
I think that we can do more. And I would encourage you to, to figure that out. What can you do with the time that has been given to you? And I'm not at all saying that, that uh, you know, this is given to us by God so that we would figure our lives out. <laughs> I think it's stupid, but I do think that we're living, this is the time that we're living in. This is what has been thrust upon us. So how do we make the best of it? So my next guest is a guy that I've had on three or four times, man. I really love this dude. He's become a good friend. I love the wisdom. I love the insight. I love his perspective. I think you're going to enjoy um, what he brings to the subject. And um, he's got a very popular podcast. He's an author. I think you're going to enjoy what True Seeker has to say, uh, say to you. Hey guys, this is Truth Seeker from the Truth Seeker Podcast, and I wanted to encourage you a little bit about how to hear God's voice in the midst of this uh, coronavirus and uh, everything that's going on in the world right now. How do we focus in and hear God's voice? I think the answer is, during this season right now, how do we hear it, is the same answer to hear his voice whenever. It's to shut out all the other voices around you. Everyone's talking. Everyone's trying to get your attention. The world is in panic and all types of crazy ideas and philosophies right now that are going around about the end of the world and the judgment of God and just the government, all types of crazy stuff out there. So for me personally, I've been vigilant not to give heed to any of these seductive voices out there that are, whether they're buying for clicks or they're really panicking in their spirit, you got to watch out and watch for who you're listening to. There's so many people out there. I mean, when we're trying to hear God's voice, I think it's, I think it's uh, imperative that we be around other people who know what God's doing as well. Um, people who spend time in the presence of God, people who spend time in prayer, praise and worship, no matter what the situation is. I mean, we're going to people who are ungodly. We're going to people who have no spiritual discipline. They have they don't have any fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we're asking them what's going on in this current situation. I mean, we're looking to the government, asking them what's going on, looking to Trump, looking to other re- re- leaders and asking them what's going on, what is God doing right now, what's happening in the earth. So the key is to shut out all of those voices and to go into your prayer closet and spend time with God for yourself. God is still speaking. God is still uh, beckoning us to draw away into our prayer closets and spend time with him. You have not because you ask not. All you have to do is draw away and ask, spend time in prayer. And the funny thing is that it takes a situation like this, a pandemic like this for us to finally make that commitment to pray, to finally seek heaven and ask God what's going on. This is something that we should be doing continually, seeking God, having this relationship with the Holy Spirit and know what he's doing. And, uh, and, and and no matter how spiritual we are, no matter how deep we are, no matter how um, well-versed we are, there's still those things out there that are trying to pull us away from 
the word of God, which is the scriptures, the word of God, which is his presence and his breath, the word of God, which is Jesus. That was uh, the word made flesh spending time with those three things, man. So many things that are biting for your time. They want to keep you out of those things so that you'll listen to them. You'll get clicks. You'll uh, they'll tell you what to believe, what to think, how to feel, what to eat, how to dress, all of these things. But we have to draw away again into the presence of God, turn off all those other outside voices, whether it's the news, whether it's entertainment, social media has been a big one and go and say, Father, what are you doing right now? What's going on in this season? Ask for peace. The Bible is full of scriptures about walking in perfect peace, perfect uh, peace that cast out all fear, a perfect love, all of these things. So for me personally, these are some of the things that have worked for me. Again, I've been vigilant not to listen to crazy conspiracy theories. And I would say uh, the reason being because I'm a conspiracy theorist at heart. I come from that background that was a big part of my awakening, these crazy theories, and it, it leads one to panic. There is no solution at the end of the day. What are we going to do as a people? Well, what we need to do is draw into the presence of God. And trust me, I've been doing it a lot over the past couple of weeks, actually, and it's been so good. The presence of God is so weighty. It's cleansing. It's uh, it's renewing. It's uh, It's been so beautiful just to get into the scriptures just a little bit and say, Father, what would you say for me for this day? Father, give me this day my daily bread. Your word sustains me. It is my meat. It is my sustenance. I'm hungry. What would you say for me today? And just kind of going into the scriptures just a little bit, not to get any deep revelation, but just to commune with the father. And for me personally, it's been really, really, really good, really good. Returning to our first loves again. Uh, a lot of people don't seek God. They don't pray until calamity hits. And sometimes it takes something like this to happen. And so we look at um, 9-11 when 9-11 happened. The, the nations came together uh, and we, we became a people of prayer. Uh, churches were, were filled to the max. I mean, people were questioning their existence and questioning eternity and what happens and knowing that we're not promised tomorrow when we see a people come together when tragedy hits. So sometimes it takes something like that to happen for, for us to kind of go back and ask God, okay, what are you doing, Father? What, what, you know, what can I do to help? Am I a part of the problem or am I a part of the solution? And each one of us gets to choose what we're going to be. And it's if we choose to walk in love and, and, and really being able to walk in love is being able to know love that became a person and spending time with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, with God, with your creator, the one who's orchestrating this whole thing like there's nothing that is happening in the spirit there's nothing happening in the world that he doesn't know about it and it, he's not so far away that he can't hear you he's not so far away that you can't reach out and touch him but he cares for you and as the scripture says to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you who else are you going to cast your cares on your spouse your children your government trump you casting your cares to Trump, you're going to be left and found wanting. Cast your cares upon the Lord for he casts for he loves you, man. I want to bless you with that. Take advantage of this season. 
Uh, there's projects that are being birthed right now. There's a lot of people, even in my circles and my community, who complain about not having time to create. They have things that they want to birth and get out of them, but they, their excuse is that they don't have time. Well, you got plenty of time right now. Take advantage of the season. Take advantage of the situation. Make sure that you're planting something in the ground that you're going to receive a harvest when this thing is over. There's a peace that will sustain you, that will get you through this whole thing. And I'm going to pray a blessing over you right now. Father, I thank you for my friends that are listening to this, God. I ask you to give them a perfect peace. Show them areas in their life, Father God, that they need to work on. Father, some things that they need to get out. Father, to get the leaven out and that you would just send them a perfect peace that surpasses all understanding which is their inheritance as sons and daughters of the most high god father we bless you and we thank you in jesus mighty name amen and amen thanks for listening i'm truth seeker truth seeker.com truth s-e-e-k-a-h.com thanks again shalom hey truth seeker thank you so much man i i really love um what he had to say there because I love what he brought to this discussion, um, this episode, because there are so many voices. Man, that is one of the things that has been, I think, most unsettling is there's so many voices and there's so many different varieties of voices um, from all kinds of different political leanings and social leanings. And it makes it difficult because oftentimes the what you're getting from those voices really isn't information. It's propaganda, right, intended to create a feeling within you um, about something negative for the political party that they are you know, fighting against. And so oftentimes the information coming to us um, is agenda-based, and it's, it's not helpful uh, and, and these voices are very good at creating emotions, anxiety, uh, apprehension, even depression, despair. They're very good at creating that atmosphere, creating that sensation. And so we have all these different voices coming to us, especially in a time uh, such as now, where we have so little control over what's happening around us. And we have this enemy that is really unseen, this virus, and it creates all kinds of just unknowns. And then you have all these voices coming at you with all these different things that they're saying. And so many times they're contradicting one another. So many times it's just fighting or it's agenda-based. It's not information-driven. And it can create its own kind of anxiety. You know, one of the, I think, uh, and, and I'm not at all saying that you should be information ignorant because I think that that is a mistake, but I would encourage you to, um, you know, take those voices in small doses. Don't, you know, we're so inundated with information, whether it's the internet or um newscasts or our phone, whatever the case may be, that we can suffer an overload. And our peace of mind and our anxiety level and all these things, they sort of roll with the wave of whatever the voice we're currently listening to 
wants to portray. And so what Truth Seeker is saying here is that we need to shut out these voices. And in our culture, we're, we usually look for truth outside of us. We usually look for truth yes, outside of us instead of where it truly resides, which is deep within the divine within um, the small voice of God that is in us, speaking peace to us, speaking courage to us, speaking life to us. And I think that in these times, and I don't know that God's going to tell us whether or not we can, we're going to get the coronavirus or not, right? I don't think that. But I do think that sometimes the anxieties and the fears can be, you know, soothed by the voice of God when we shut out the rest of the world and listen to that deep resonance, that divine within. And that's that's really what I think the encouragement was. Uh, my next guest is um, someone who I think is going to do a really great job, and I'm so glad that she can be a part. Uh, please welcome Dr. Katie Valentine. Hi, everyone. This is Reverend Dr. Katie Valentine, and I am so happy to bring a message to you. I was on the Black Sheep Experience podcast, episode 25, and I am the woman who talked about metaphysics and Christianity and how we can bring all these things together as really faithful Jesus followers. And I got to know some of the listeners on that particular episode, and it's been really fun to continue that journey with all of you. And here we are, and this time of epidemic, it's a little bit crazy out there right now. If you're feeling some of the pressure, you're definitely not alone. And I've been in staying inside for about seven or eight days now. I'm in California. The date when I'm recording this, we are shelter in place. And so, you know, this is, we're all in this together. So what is the good news in this? Craig asked if I could share a little bit of a word with you, and I'm so happy to do that. And I think as Christians, one of the things we have to ask is, you know, where where is God in all of this? And what is the Christian responsibility? As we are facing this time of epidemic, it's a little scary. There's a lot of things we don't know right now. And people are reacting in a couple of different ways. Some people are kind of cavalier, like, I don't care if I get the virus or if I give it to anyone. And then other people are in panic mode. And so as Christians and as people that I work with are into energy, and I am into energy. So I'm asking the question, where is God in all of this? Where is Christ in all of this? But I'm also asking the question, how am I managing my energy? And that's what I want to talk to you about today, just for a few minutes, both of those questions. Let's start with the energy, actually, first. When we talk about our energy and where we're managing our energy, one of the things that I help people do and that I encourage for everyone listening to this is to find ways to calm down your parasympathetic nervous system. As energetic beings, we are given these bodies, and these bodies have things like cortisol and adrenaline and stress. And when we take on um, even more of that, and we're picking it up from the environment and from uh, people who are all around us, it can make us so that the only thing we see out there is stress. The only thing we see is panic. But when we can take practices just like deep breathing, grounding, 
eventually maybe working with your chakra, with your energetic body, but whatever you can do to really calm down your parasympathetic nervous system to get out of that flight or fight mode will enable you to be present to yourself and to those whom you love, and it will help you make better decisions. So energetically, that's where we begin. And I believe that that's an actual radically, I believe that that is a radical act of faith to do that, to take a little bit of time and step outside of the culture. And Christians are called to do this. We are called to step outside of the dominant culture and to do something different. So even by this radical act of taking three deep breaths, calming yourself down, you are taking a stand that you're refusing to side with panic for panic's sake. That's taking care of your energetic self. When we get a little more advanced with energy, then we can do things like um, read our chakras and find out what our chakras are telling us about what we're experiencing. And we can do other kinds of connection. And one of the things I love about energy is that it helps me see that I'm not alone. We are surrounded all the time by energetic beings who love and care for us. And so managing your energy is an excellent, excellent act of faith to begin this journey. And I want to invite all of you to join my spiritual resilience group. This is 100% free. It's just, it's my gift to my community. And in this group, we're going to be talking about tools for the journey, spiritual resilience, and how we make sense and how we find meaning and how we can calm ourselves down so that we can actually engage our spiritual lives. We can actually engage our spiritual lives during this time of epidemic. And this leads me to part two of what I want to talk to you about today, which is where in the world do we find God? Where do we find Christ in the middle of this crisis? Um, So I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. If you do want to join the Spiritual Resilience Group, just go to my website, www.katykatyvalentine, just like the holiday.com, and it will pop up and you'll see a means to, to be able to join that. I would love to have you. Um, the, the times and dates when we're going to meet vary, but we're going to be talking about this next part. Where in the world do we find God? Where do we find Christ in the middle of this epidemic? As Jesus followers, we know we're called to be present. We are called to be the hands and the feet of Christ during times of trouble, during times when the world needs Christ's voice. Christ relies on us to do that. And that's incredibly energetic. It's incredibly metaphysical. It's incredibly humbling, actually, to me as a follower of Christ, that Jesus would entrust me with this sacred work. And this particular virus is a kind of a funny thing because we are called to be still. We're called to not go out and do the the best, most faithful thing we can do right now is to remain inside unless you're one of the rock star essential personnel people at a grocery store or in an ambulance or at a hospital or, you know, in a retail place that needs to provide services to people or municipality. You guys are rock stars and we're really grateful for you. And I hope you can hear that gratitude and that energy from the bottom of my heart. The rest of us, are called to stay inside. So the most radical thing that we can do right now is nothing with our incarnated selves, but it's not nothing. I think humanity is actually 
experiencing through this virus what it is like to go to the interior. We are all being called to go inside of ourselves, inside of our energetic bodies, to develop spiritual resilience, to develop tools that will get us through not only this weird time of social distancing, but the rest of our lives and maybe beyond. When we gain the tools now through meditation, through prayer, through energy practices, through ritual that you create, through connection, through new connection that you're making in ways you wouldn't make if you were living your usual life, and whether that's through online, whether it's reconnecting with people in your house, whether it's more calls to your grandmother, to whatever that is, you're developing these new tools in a new way of being. That's where we find God, and that is where we find Christ. So we find Christ in our, we find Christ because Christ is, because Christ is present with us. And we know that Christ is the healer. Christ came, a part of Christ's ministry was to provide healing for people. And we are all part of that. We are all part of that. And the best way we can do that is by staying inside. Well, what are you going to do while you're inside? My suggestion of what we do is that we turn inward. We really pay attention to that inward journal journey. And then when we do that, guess what? When this epidemic is over and when we are comforting those who are in mourning, when we are taking care of the ill in a safe, a safe way, a safe, effective way, we are going to have tools to lead us to the next thing. This is a time for ascension. And ascension often comes uh, for the human race during times of great turmoil, during times of great trouble. And when we put those things into tension with one another, that's when we can experience this radical awakening within our own spirits. So Christians, Jesus followers, let me encourage you to turn inward for this period of time. Calm down your parasympathetic nervous system. Take some deep breaths. Figure meditation out. This is there's no better time. Y'all are gonna get bored with Netflix eventually. Uh, why not meditate instead? And we can really support one another during this journey, and we can learn the really really critical skill set of asking for assistance when we need it. So I think this is going to be imperative. Most of us, and I bet a lot of listeners of this podcast are natural givers. We love to give, and it's actually really hard to receive. This will be a beautiful time to learn how to receive. So when you need something in the world, we are going to have to learn how to ask for it. And that creates more energetic reciprocity, more mutual give and take. And that's beautiful. These are all lessons that I'm on the journey of learning. And I invite you to be on the journey of learning this too. So my recommendations right now, such as they are, are take a few deep breaths connect deeply with those that you love in ways that you love doing, whether that's over Zoom, whether that's through a phone call, whether that's through snail mail. And then third, turn inward for the journey. This is a beautiful time to do that. Take some time and some space every day to dedicate to your own journey. Let your energetic self flourish. And we're all going to come through this I think as a more collective whole, I think we're going to learn a lot of lessons. We've already learned a lot of lessons with the environment starting to rehabilitate itself without human destruction because everyone is staying at home. Can we take that lesson to the next level when this epidemic is over? Can we restore the earth? I believe it. I believe it. And this time of interior journey and inward reflection will help us know exactly 
what we're all called to do, what part we're all called to play when it's over. My heart is with everyone. I will be praying for all of you. I ask for your prayers for me. We're all in this together. None of it's easy, but it's all possible. All things are possible. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Thank you, Craig, so much for asking me to record this message. And this was actually really, really fun. I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to say. And as soon as I started recording, it all flowed out. Um, so you'll hear, you might hear one or two little bumps along the way, but hopefully the energy is coming through to everyone. Blessings to all of you. And I would love to hear from you. Let me know how it's going. Thank you so much, Dr. Valentine. I really appreciate uh, that message. You know, honestly, um, I love what she had to say there because I think that is important. Uh, the, the mystics believed that we are a universe within, all to ourselves. And one of the important things that the mystics thought we needed to do was to explore ourselves um, into the vast depths of who we truly are. And in our society, there's so much noise and there's so much, there's so many obligations that we have that a lot of times we never ever, for, for you know the greater part of our life, we never really discover who we truly are. We never really discover the deep thoughts within us or emotions within us. And so this could be a good time to begin to explore yourself. Also, one of the things I've noticed is what do you want to do with your energy? What I've found to be really true is a lot of times I'm using my energy in ways that aren't productive or helpful. You know, there's so many concerns right now with this thing, right? Am I going to get sick? What if I do? Is it going to be mild or am I going to be one of the people that, you know, uh, it's fatal for. Um, what about my next paycheck? What's the world going to look like when this is all over? Is it ever going to be all over? I've noticed that there have been different times throughout this process when I have felt entirely overwhelmed. Um, almost like it's too much to bear. And I realize that I'm placing my energy in something that's never going to produce anything. And I'm not saying that concerns aren't valid because I think these concerns are valid. But to place too much emphasis on the concerns, you begin to expel precious energy in areas where it's never going to produce anything. So I think what Dr. Valentine had to say there is super important because we can take this energy that we have and explore Right, We can take this energy that we have and read a book, meditate, find out who we are deep within, uh, discover and, and connect with the divine that is within. So, yeah, it, it's critical. You know, in our culture, um, once again, so much is external to us. Uh, we're, we're an externally driven culture, which has value um, but we need to learn that the true and the greatest wealth isn't what's outside of us it's what's inside of us and this is a good time to connect with that so um, my next guest is somebody who uh, is man he, he's just a great dude um, 
I got to know him. Uh, he was one of the hosts on the Holy Heretics podcast. And um, I always resonated really with the things that he had to say. And I think, uh, so I asked him, hey, man, would you, would you, you know, would you add to this podcast? I think you'd be a great voice for this. And uh, in his usual fashion, man, he just, yeah, dude, I'll do it. And within a few moments, man, or a little bit of time, not much, an hour maybe, uh, I had... Um, I had his work, and so I think you're going to appreciate what my very good friend uh, Scott Watkins has to say. Hey everybody, this is Scott Watkins, formerly of the Holy Heretics podcast, and you know, maybe in a little while I can take the formally out of that phrase, and it'll be Scott Watkins of the Holy Heretics podcast. Uh John Scott and myself had planned to relaunch that in early April of this year, uh, but of course with all the uncertainty in the world right now as it relates to the coronavirus and COVID-19, um, I, I think we really don't know what's going to happen with that originally planned timeline. Uh, maybe it'll be the same, maybe it'll look different, maybe it won't be at all. And I share that not as a promotional piece, but just as an example of what's going on, one of the the many things of what's going on in my life right now, um, that is just uncertain, and you know that's that the the podcast, quite honestly, um, is way down on the list of things that I'm concerned about. Um, like anyone who's listening to this, pretty much everything right now in life is just uncertain. I mean, we are all living in unprecedented times. Um, Two weeks ago, I had the good fortune of being able to move my wife, my two small children into a new home that we just purchased and never would have thought in a million years that uh, in just two weeks, wow, how life would look different. And I'm glad we like the house because we're spending a lot of time here. Uh, I work in healthcare, and um, I'm not at the place yet in my job, and may not be ever where I'm staying at home. So one of the many uncertainties that I have, one of the anxieties I have right now in my life, is oh my God, my my wife is a school teacher. She's staying home with my two small children. They're doing school, and my wife is trying to you know, do distance learning with her students while teaching our two littles at home. And here I'm out, you know, trying to be as safe as I possibly can be. And, you know, who knows what I'm around? Who, I mean, who, who knows, you know, what I'm bringing back in the home with me, just doing all the safety protocols that the CDC and other government officials have encouraged to do from, Washing your hands frequently to don't touching your face to trying your best to see six feet apart from someone to sanitize hard surfaces. And can I just say that that is all exceptionally overwhelming? It's not hard to do, but the disruption that has come into our lives from seemingly just out of nowhere, you know. One day the sky is blue, and then the next day it's not. That's kind of how it feels, isn't it? And 
to be honest, you know, I, w- I don't know if I can share anything that would traditionally sound encouraging. But, you know, I, I also think that the time for platitudes is over. You know, times like these, you can't just quote a scripture verse and separate yourself from the anxieties. You you can't just, you know, do the things that maybe institutions, if people have told you for all of your life, that if you'll just do this, everything will be okay. And I think for me that the peace lies in the honesty of all of that. The peace for me, and maybe for you as you listen to this, will be able to be found in just simply being able to say, yeah, I'm anxious. Yeah, this is scary. Yeah, quoting a scripture verse, it doesn't work so well. And you know, I've likened this whole process to everything that we're going through to the journey of grief. Um, I've spent 10 years of my life working in hospice care, and a lot of that working in uh, grief support to others. And you know, grief is the result of loss, which is not always a bodily death. And right now, we are all, every single person in the United States of America and people beyond who are affected by this pandemic, we are all grieving. We are all experiencing a sudden loss of life as we knew it. And what compounds that grief is the anxiety of not knowing what will be and the uncertainty of if life will ever be like it once was for us, and maybe it doesn't need to be the way it always was. Maybe some things do need to change, and this is shedding the light onto that. But, you know, the social distancing, like how long will that happen? There's just so many unknowns right now. We're all just living in the midst of this big, giant grief. But unlike the loss of a family member or someone we love, What is also unprecedented is that we have the opportunity to share in this grief together. And one thing that I do know, my friends, one thing I know for certain, one thing I am not uncertain about, is that grief shared is grief diminished. And so we need opportunities like this to be able to listen to one another to be able to rightly name anxiety, uncertainty, um, because somewhere in the honesty of naming those things, there is a peace that goes simply beyond what we cannot understand. You know, I've heard it said so many times as it relates to a scripture passage, if you're going to have the peace that passes all understanding, you've got to give up your right to understand. And even in that, 
the peace that we experience in the moments like in times like these it it'll come and it'll go the anxiety will come and it will go but let me just assure you that's normal i'm having to assure myself of that too that what i'm feeling right now all these mixed emotions the ups the downs the times of peace the times of anxiety that's all really normal and for me the the, the most peace i've been able to find out through all of this uncertainty is just that anything I feel right now, it's okay. It's normal. Just feel it when it comes and then let it go and then feel the next thing. And peace grows throughout a process like that. So my friends, you know, um, I don't know if this was the encouraging message you were looking for. I learned a long time ago that platitudes and being trite, they just don't work when we're hurting, do they? You know, we need honesty. Uh, We need each other. And grief shared is grief diminished. So let's keep talking to one another uh, virtually (laughs) at a distance. But let's not let our collective conversation about our pain diminish into quietness, into silence. We need to keep talking to one another about how we're hurting And in that conversation, we find our peace, we find our encouragement, dare I say, our hope. We find it in connecting with each other. Peace, grace, and the abundance of life be with you all, my friends. Thank you, Scott. Man, I really appreciate that. I um, Actually, it is really encouraging, man. I think that for so many of us, we were perhaps brought up in a tradition that taught us it's either fear or faith, um, and that the two couldn't or can't exist together in the same place. And I think that that's a mistake. I think that we can have faith and we can also have fear. Now, you can have unhealthy doses of both of those, right? You can have a foolish faith, which blindly believes things that are never going to happen or that have proven themselves time and time again that they don't happen. And you can have a foolish fear that becomes all-consuming, that creates all kinds of anxieties and dilutes uh, your hope in the divine right? and, and, uh, and in the human expression. I do think it's healthy to say, you know what, I, I have these concerns. I have these worries, you know, not to where they become this all-consuming thing, but to where they're at least recognized and expressed. A lot of times we don't think that we're allowed to do that. We think that somehow if I express my concerns, if I express the things that I'm a little bit afraid of, well, then that means I don't trust God on some level. And that's not the case at all. There's plenty of examples where people had faith and fear and they were present at the same time. I've noticed in my own existence that when I recognize, um, when I identify that the fear or the anxiety or the concern is present, then I can really begin to deal with with whatever the emotion is that's present within me, it's when I cover that up, you know, with a Bible verse, right? Or some 
statement of faith that someone said somewhere along the way. And I shove those fears and I shove those concerns deep, deep down and try to cover them up with a superficial faith. That's, that's when, um, well, you, you're just creating a time bomb really, because you're not dealing with the issues of your own heart, your own mind, your own emotions. And, uh, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm concerned. I'm upset. I don't like this. And, and to express those anxieties to yourself, to your creator, to friends, to family, whatever the case may be. Um, I do think that there's, I do think that that is a healthy, emotional place of well-being. So thank you, Scott, man. It, it, it is encouraging, man. And I totally agree with you. When you get to the place where you can just be honest about what you're feeling, um, there's a freedom in that. So my next guest and my final guest uh, is a great mystic, man. Somebody who I've crossed paths with. And uh, I love the insight that he brings. And I, I'm so glad that he could be a part of this episode. And I think that he is going to, um, I think he's going to bring something to the discussion that's helpful, uh, for you and I. Um, so please welcome Mark Thomas Shaw. So when the angels arrive in the gospels and they're talking to Zechariah and they talk to Mary and they talk to the shepherds, They keep saying the same thing over and over. Don't be afraid. And then later in the New Testament, there's a line in 1 John that says, Perfect love casts out fear. Hi, this is Mark Thomas Shaw. I'm the executive director at at Contemplative Light. And Craig reached out to me for some input during this challenging time for so many of us struggling with reconfiguring our lives in response to this coronavirus, this global pandemic, and, and I'm, I'm certainly happy to share some insights from the contemplative tradition that can, can help provide some illumination, especially in, in dark and uncertain times. So don't be afraid, these angels keep saying during these times of, of annunciation of something new arriving. Because what's fear? Fear is an inner response to external circumstances. It's reactive and it colors our ability to perceive accurately. And it, if science is to be believed, it reduces our intelligence by something like 80%. Whereas love, as we define it in contemplative terms and sort of the spiritual path, is a, this grace-filled state we abide in that colors our whole being. And we can choose to rest in that, to dwell in it, or act out of it. It is both freedom and agency, but most of all, it's clarity. And it's not so much something we acquire, but it's what's left when everything inessential has been stripped away. And we we realize we've been sitting on this treasure chest the whole time, but we've been preoccupied with other concerns. So from a contemplative perspective, times of crisis are always full of possibility from this Greek term, crisis, which means judgment, decision, discernment, a point of decision and sometimes of turning. So if you spent any time at all on the contemplative path, you know, this is when growth takes place. This is 
kind of when the good stuff happens. In fact, it for a lot of us, it's it's usually some kind of crisis that causes us to find the contemplative path in the first place. So whether it's teachers, speakers, authors, whatever, this is so often what we invite people into this liminal space where so many of us are are uh, maybe distracted for a time. We've reconfigured. The, the kids are at home. We've stocked up on food. Um, we've plowed through a couple TV shows and tried to get the kids on a good rhythm or schedule, um, checked in with uh, relatives and making sure they're okay. But at some point when the checklist is finished, there will be moments where we kind of need to sit with ourselves. And so often, whether spiritual directors or, or, or uh, pastors or counselors, that's the state we try to get to so often in our different kinds of, of ministries. And here that's being kind of imposed upon so many of us. And so there's an opportunity here. But I'm going to start with a little context and offer some key principles of the contemplative tradition that might provide some sort of waypoints on the path. So first, the contemplative path itself is this loosening of the self with all that entails for union with the divine to make room. And there's this ever-present grace available to us, according to mystics, contemplatives from, you know, throughout the millennia. And we call this available presence, the divine indwelling. And we taste it to the extent that we let go of the trappings of the false self with our over-identification with family, tribe, nation. And in, in so doing, we recognize the ways in which we are acting out of our conditioning so much of the time. And it's here that the ego starts to become dismantled. And from, from the perspective of spirit, though, this process is an awakening into life. But the big problem, even for a lot of Christians, we we tend to frame even our spiritual lives mostly in terms of our will and our commitment to sort of moral choices at the surface layer of our lives. We mostly aren't aren't even aware of of the unconscious components of our ego that go into our definitions of what does and doesn't constitute these moral choices of who's in and who's out according to our or maybe our community's understanding. So we stay blind to sort of the infrastructure that makes up our mental and and psycho-spiritual lives. As long as we're convinced we're sort of on the side of the righteous, we don't even need to look under the hood all that much and do some of that inner work and excavation and relinquishment where freedom actually is. And so Christ puts it this way, except a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it abides by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So there's this invitation to die to ourselves, to allow the true self to emerge. And from a contemplative perspective, what we die to is this construct that Thomas Merton calls our false self. This identity we develop to meet our instinctual needs as, you know, in in early childhood, but then those strategies, we carry them into the rest of our lives and into a, a, a kind of, you know, false maturity. And so the discipline is to recognize these inner patterns of thought, emotion, reactivity, to be able to let go so spirit can manifest more clearly within and we can act out of that free inner space. 
So in times of crisis, where our basic needs may be under threat, is precisely this moment of decision. Do I cling more tightly or do I engage in this kind of divine relinquishment ever more fervently? And without without a disciplined practice of relinquishment, so a lot of us are just simply prone instinctively to cling more tightly, to make sure our needs are getting met. We develop a kind of tunnel vision with all that matters is, is taking care of me and mine. So or we might just simply experience an upsurge of anxiety or whatever our particular issue is. We might be more prone to angry outbursts if that's our thing. Whatever our pattern is becomes sharpened and heightened because we're preoccupied with reactivity to these external circumstances given the heightened sort of multiple layers of stressors going on right now. And so as the world is grappling with this new reality, there's just a lot of uncertainty. How much food will we need? Will healthcare facilities run out of medical supplies? How bad will it get in my city, in my neighborhood, on my block, in my house? Is my job secure? Will there be enough money to cover expenses? What's the worst case scenario? When will things go back to normal if they ever do? Will there be a new normal? Yeah, what, what, will, what will that look like? And I'm reminded of, of the late uh, Ram Dass's words, we need to make friends with change. And we, we cultivate a capacity for that when we sort of withdraw our emotional, mental tentacles that cling to a need for security, stability, affirmation, control, the need for, for power, for influence. And so many of us are in the situation where that's being taken away right now. And we're on uncertain ground. And even personally, I'm not speaking as a cloistered monk. I'm a, I'm a householder with a job that's changing right now. I've got two kids at home. Uh, one, my biological child, one, a foster son, uh, a wife who's working long hours every day to make sure her church and preschool staff are taken care of. And, and there looks like there'll be difficult decisions to make. And we're fighting various little ailments around the house and trying to make sound decisions with our resources. In this contemplative path, it, it doesn't take away difficult situations, hard choices, but it changes the ground of our motivation when we're making those choices. And as our, our path unfolds, our motivations change. And that's so key. That makes such a big difference. So Thomas Keating writes about three siblings in this book, The Better Part. And, and, and they're all at different stages of the journey in one these gospel stories. There's Martha. Jesus is over visiting and she's frustrated and preoccupied with practical concerns. And she gets kind of peeved at her sister for not doing what she thinks she should be doing. She's preoccupied with taking care of the practical needs in the home. And so Keating identifies she's at the purgative stage. She's still becoming aware of how her unconscious needs are affecting her everyday life. And that's sort of the first part of this stage is draining away the sort of muddiness and murkiness on our defensive reactions, our own patterns, to be able to see those patterns at work, how our unskillful reactions color and influence and impact our, our relationships in everyday life. With these, we're, we're, we're narrowly focused on egocentric concerns. And then comes Mary, who is sitting at the feet of Jesus in this illuminative stage. She's attentive to his divine presence. She's receptive. She's open. She's free, and that's this kind of stage of growth and connection and, and, and growing in intimacy 
and receptivity to transform our interstate as we become more and more aware of those reactive patterns we tend to have. They don't completely go away in that stage, but we're able to see them clearly, to hold them and not act out of that habitual, instinctive, reactive space. But then there's another sibling and another stage, and it's, it's Lazarus who experiences this final radical relinquishment, this final move through death, and he's called forth by Jesus from the grave itself. And, and this is the unitive stage. And there's this final handing over of all our faculties and relationships to the divine presence, this radical move of self-relinquishment. And we might still have to make hard decisions in that space, but these will be motivated by love with our situation seen through the eye of grace, not clinging, not expectation, not fear. And, and in this state, we have clarity and discernment. This hazy fog of insularity and fear, that's gone. And Anthony DeMello says, there's nothing in the world so clear-sighted as love. And that's the contemplative journey. There's this kind of baptism of silence, this new way of seeing and knowing and understanding and the shift in perspective, because there's been a shift in the very ground of our being. And so we invite you to a practice, maybe to get up 20 minutes early. If you have others in the house to sit in silence uh, with the intention to invite and rest in the presence of God. So in that silence, we simply recognize thoughts as they come. And when they do, we introduce a sacred word to signal our consent to the presence and action of God within. And, and what, what word do you choose? Um, I, I follow the anonymous author of The Cloud of Unknowing. Uh, I've simply mentally spoken out the word God when those emotions and, and pictures and distractions come. Uh, following the instructions of First Centering Prayer, we do so ever so gently to invite rest and silence. And then in the silence, the excavation takes place. We relinquish and relinquish again and relinquish again. And we understand we need to die to that false self that bleeds over into everyday life. And, and, and we re that requires a kind of constant vig vigilance and alertness to, to stay aware of. And another line from Anthony DeMello that strikes me as relevant right now is the path to love leads through the pains of death. And I think that's in part what Thomas Keating is getting at by introducing the story of Lazarus and connecting it with that unitive stage. There is this space we need to move through with a radical relinquishment. And here now is this opportunity to do so. And so I'd like to in invite you, if you're listening, to make time for that withdrawal, to rest and relinquish and to disconnect from the barrage of information, the news cycle, all the practical concerns, and, and find that quiet space to rest in for those afflictive emotions maybe to come up. And that is part of the divine therapy is feeling what you're feeling and allowing that to emerge, see it, and let it go to kind of move through that. And it's been traditionally during times of stress and crisis that these great leaders, these spiritual teachers like Jesus emerge. He came during a time of occupation in the midst of a very oppressive stratified society. 
and people like Julian of Norwich, some of the great mystics, she is living through the plague years. And you may have seen inspiring Facebook posts with her famous line, all shall be well, all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. So these teachers that point us to this divine reality where there is, is a love abundant beyond all imagining that's available to us. This doesn't come just when everything is, is peaches and cream. It, it's coming during, during historical times when there is strain and stress. And so we want to follow that opportunity to return to what is essential. And so this doesn't mean we don't take precautionary measures when necessary or, or stock up on necessary items. But our inner disposition remains open, fearless. When we feel anxiety, we recognize it, understand how it affects our thoughts and actions. And in our our contemplative practice, we relinquish with attention, with diligence, and consent to the presence and action of God within. And if if we fail at letting go, we return to the sacred word as, as this invitation, this intent to let go. And if we fail again, we return again. And then ever so gently invite God's presence and rest within that space. And what tends to happen is a gradual shift into a different space of acceptance of what is at the emotional level, even as we still need to take action in the world on a practical level. And that's what's often referred to as this kind of non-attachment. We're not seeking to get anything out of it and have our own uh, psycho-spiritual needs met. We are acting in the world out of the perspective of love infused with grace. And that's the awareness that allows for uh, a little levity, a little agency, grace, freedom, even during these kind of turbulent times. So... I hope you're safe. I hope you find moments of rest wherever you are. And I also hope you've got some helpful takeaway from this. And thank you to Craig for inviting me to share. The very best to you wherever you are right now and take care. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, once again, man, the, the, the wisdom and the insight that you bring to a conversation is um, I just thank you for your time and, and the energy that you uh, gave to this episode. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in each one of these discussions or each one of these offerings, whether it was Kaisi or John, um, Noah, Katie, Scott, Mark, each one of them had a message that was, that really is telling us to turn within to begin to acknowledge and identify the magic that is in us, to begin to acknowledge and to identify the divine that is within us, the still small voice in there, the thoughts and the emotions and the feelings, the anxieties, the encouragement that is deep within us, to begin to acknowledge and identify and give space to those things, to give space to the magic within, space to the divine within, space to the emotions um, and thoughts that are yours and, and that are deep within you to become intimate with those things, to know them personally. And I really think 
it's a powerful message. You know, there's a, there's an old saying, I couldn't tell you exactly where it came from. Um, but basically it says, as within, so without. And what it means is the world that you're creating on the inside of you, the things that are happening within you manifest in the world outside of you, the external world. Now, we play an important part in the world outside of us. Absolutely. And I, and I know that we all know that. Although um, it's critical that we are involved in the world outside of us, we don't have total control there, do we? Certainly, if we did, this virus wouldn't be a thing that we, that we had to deal with. But the world within us, that's its own special kind of kingdom its own special kind of universe and it's all about you and who you are and the magic there and the and the divinity there and the thoughts and the emotions all the things that you are and so i i i completely agree wholeheartedly with the idea of turning within discovering who it is within me the divinity that is within me the still small voice the um, my intuition perhaps even psychic abilities the voice of god the the moving of the holy spirit the magic the all those kinds of things that are deep within us these are unprecedented times these are difficult times man and i, I don't want to make light of that it's tough there's a lot of unknowns here. And I pray, man, that wherever this podcast finds you today, in the midst of all this coronavirus, COVID-19 ah, disaster, or I hope it finds you well, and I hope that it brings encouragement to you. You know, it just didn't seem right to me to just throw out another podcast. It, I felt like, you know, in some small way, Maybe we can offer peace. Maybe we can begin the evolution of uh, turning within and evolve a little further, even in the midst of the chaos. We're still alive. Our, our lives still matter. And the way that we evolve and the way that we grow, you know, that matters too. And so I hope that this has been an encouragement to you, man. I, I deeply want it to be. I want it to minister, you know, the, the doctors are doing all that they can, scientists are doing all that they can, I think, to take care of the world outside of us. And so we're going to leave that to them, you know, and, and pray that uh, God leads and guides those brilliant minds to a quick solution. Um, but for us mystics, right? Us uh, witches. We need to realign, redefine, um, reconnect with the deep wealth that is within us. And, and that's what I hope that this encourages you to do.
Listen, my friends, I want you to stay healthy, man. I want you to do the social distancing thing that they're telling you to do. I want you to take your vitamins, right? I want you to eat. Uh, my wife says we got to eat kale. So I don't know about that, but we, I want you to do all of that stuff, man. Take care of yourself, dude. Wash your hands, the whole thing. And, um, you know, keep your courage up. This will pass. There will be better days. So from now until then, I really want to encourage you, man, to turn within. God bless you guys. Done. 